passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joey Christopoulos and my co-host, Corey Wooten. But first, today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline, they'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs. And look, we're just a couple days away from NFL Wildcard Weekend. So the only place to go for that action is BetOnline because it's the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year, but new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up. And today, you could receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just when you just when you use promo code, promo code B. L-E-A-V. Believe to get started. Football, basketball, hockey, boxing. Favorite Vegas casino games. It's got it all. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season and year. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to the pod. I don't know. What should we talk about? There's a lot going on at House Hall this week. They cleaned house. Ryan Pace is gone. Matt Nagy is out the door. And now let us usher in an American Idol version of coaching candidates and prospective GMs. But first, let's bring in my co-host, a guy who should be on the list. We should be interviewing him right now for general manager, former Bears defensive end and Fox 32 Chicago's own Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? What's going on, man? I, I don't know if I want the uh, job as the GM right now after after uh, you know that, that press conference. I'm, I'm a, l- a little nervous. <laughs> but you get all the power first. You get the power, and then you get exactly. then you get Hallis Hall. Yeah, Corey, let's dive right into it, man. Uh, I know you know you maybe didn't watch every single second. Bears fans are losing their minds. It's been a polarizing week. Every single time George McCaskey seems to get in front of a microphone, uh, there seems to be a reaction. So I will ask you, what is your reaction to George McCaskey's press conference at the end of the season as they begin their coaching and general manager search? Man, it was it, was, it really took me back, honestly. Um, you know, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched, you know, tidbits of it. Um, You're lucky. Just, just, just <laughs> some of the, the, the verbiage and things, he, you know, when he was talking about Owen Cruz, he called him a liar and then talking about, hey, I'm just a fan first, you know, I'm not a talent evaluator and it just it just seemed like he said all the wrong things and and there's like a politically correct way to do it without ruffling any feathers and he failed to do that you know you're thinking hey we're going to see what he's going to say as the leader of the team you know his mom is is the owner of the team but we're going to see you know he he's the you know party responsible for speaking and and telling us everything that's going to go on and and have the fans get excited about yeah. this new future of the bears and i think bears fans were just really, really pissed off, to be honest, you know, people, there was an article in the Tribune about why, you, why we should not support the Bears franchise anymore. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I don't think that would ever happen because, you know, Bear fans are die hard. But, you know, I think there's just a way to go about things. And he didn't do it well. And, you know, especially like one of your all time great uh, offensive linemen and Olin Cruz, uh, somebody that's killing it on TV now and has respect around the league that should be a Hall of Famer, 
to call him a liar. Um, you know, I think that's just a very bold statement. You know, if you don't, and it's, it's Olin, Olin is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bet my money on it that he's telling the truth about everything that's going on. He's, he's not a liar. He's, he's definitely a different dude. And, uh, you know, he might ruffle some people's feathers, but he's not a liar. So I think that was pretty bold to say that. Yeah, what Bears fan says they don't like Olin Krutz? Uh, that's yeah. the part that I'm a little confused about. And Corey, yeah, I used this analogy earlier today. Uh, yeah, he's the CEO of Dairy Queen, but he's just here to eat the ice cream, folks. Uh, that's it, right? He's not here to do anything else. And it speaks to something a little bit different. And, Corey, we were talking about what they need to do power structure-wise and figure everything out. We're trying to get to the bottom of it. But isn't this just another example of George McCaskey should not be in a microphone delivering the message for the Chicago Bears. It just needs to be somebody else. And you look around town, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't get in front of a microphone after every year and answer a bunch of questions at a press conference. You rarely see Rocky Wirtz out there, you know, uh, go down the list. Even Tom Ricketts, he, I mean, he writes out a printed letter, but he doesn't really answer questions. Doesn't this speak to the thing that all Bears fans want is someone out in front president of football operations, or maybe it will be the general manager that should be delivering this message and not George McCaskey. He's just not good at it. I mean, and that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping whoever they hire as the GM is very well-spoken and can kind of connect to the fan base and get them excited, um, you know, because it's been tough, you know, the past two years with the Bears and just since since Lovey was fired. Um, it's, just, it's just been a very tough time, and I think the fans have been very frustrated, um, which arguably, you know, deserves that. But I'm just hoping whatever GM and, and head coach come in, really invigorate this this fan base because right now they're very irritated and pissed off so i'm hoping that we can have some good hires that can lead to people feeling good about next season and feeling good about the bears what is your take on there's two schools of thought on this one of them is you need as many football minds in the room as possible to help make good decisions and then the other mm-hmm. side of it is what george mccaskey and the bears are saying is saying when we hire a general manager he will have the most power in the organization in theory, that would make the job very attractive to whoever wants to take over that role. You know, what side do you kind of land on with that? I mean, can the Bears possibly get this right in theory if they get the right general manager who then is that voice and delivers that message? Or should they be trying to, you know, put together as many voices as possible? You know, I, I think, um, you know, some of the best teams, you know, I think they have a kind of balanced power, power, uh, power structure, excuse me. Um, and I think, you know, Obviously, the GM, he's going to be usually making the final decision a lot of times, usually with, uh, you know, the owner, et cetera. It seems like the way the Bears are, the owners don't have too much say, per se, from what McCaskey was saying. So, you know, I would like a lot of people, you know, um, directors of scouting, uh, you know, different, different, um, you know, presidents, et cetera, that can all, all work together and find the best talent, found the best developers of a football team. Cause I think that at times that's what's kind of struggled. Sometimes the development of talent, you look at the teams that do really well, the Patriots, you know, they've been doing it for years. Uh, the Packers look at all the great picks that they've had. Look at a guy like, you know, Devonte Adams, that was a third rounder, I believe that kind of, you know, at one point they didn't think he was going to be that guy. Um, so I think the Packers, you know, and, and Patriots have done that really well. You know, they've had a lot of good scouts, a lot of good scouting directors, a lot of good football minds that can pick talent and then have the coaching staff around them to develop that talent. In your opinion, obviously it looks like we're doing a little bit of a rinse repeat and we're hoping for better results. We'll see what happens. But the last time this happened, they brought in Ernie Corsi to advise 
the McCaskey family and the chairman of the board to decide on what they wanted to do. Yeah. In that particular case, they hired Ryan Pace, a bright young mind. You're hearing that a lot with a lot of these candidates, bright young minds. Um, they brought in Ryan Pace, and then they told him that he had to hire John Fox, and that was the that was the advice of Ernie Acorsi, yeah. a guy who's not a part of the organization but was hired to help them. They're doing the same thing with Bill Polian. You know, talk a little bit about maybe what your opinion is on Bill Polian, and yeah. do you think that method can possibly work to hopefully have the Bears get it right this time? You know, I'm, I'm hoping he could offer some advice. Bill Polian, you know, is a well-respected guy in this league, what he did for the Colts uh, for years, uh, very knowledgeable. But I'm just hoping is, is not a thing where, you know, obviously they're going to select the GM first. They give him reign to, to pick the coach that he wants to. And I think if they pick the right person, they're going to realize that they need to, number one, pick a offensive mind, whether that's a coordinator, right, or a head coach, right? We need, we need one or the other, right? So let's say, you know, different options, right? There could be a potential of Brian Flores, right, for example. But that this is where the GM comes in and says, Flores, you're my guy. Let me pick the offensive staff, okay? Mm -hmm. You handle all your defensive staff, your special teams. I love what you did in Miami for that. Let me focus on this offensive coordinator because that's the problem with the Bears, right? When Lovey Smith was the coach, the defense was on point, right? We can never make the step never with the, the offense, right? Same thing with John Fox, right? Defense was good. We were rocking. Couldn't get the offensive coordinator. You know, I think the best year was maybe when Adam Gase was there or possibly Tressman. I'm not really sure. I One think Tressman statistically probably bore the best fruit. I think Adam Gase yeah. and Jay Cutler did have a really, really good connection, though, that yeah. did yield good results for sure. Yeah, but I think that's one or the other, right? We have to have the offensive-minded head coach that is calling the plays like an Andy Reid or have a defensive-minded coach, but have whatever GM that is say, listen, you handle that, I'll handle the offensive staff, I'll handpick it, and have Justin Fields in mind, right? A person that can cater this offense to him, really script for success, and elevate his game because he has all the tools it takes to be a great quarterback in this league. And I think people around the league, I brought this up a while ago about – you know, people were talking about, oh, which which job would you rather have, the Giants or the Bears? And people were like, hands down, the Bears, right? Daniel Jones hasn't done anything since he's been there, right? But Justin Fields, a young guy, they weren't catering this offense to him. Look what look what numbers he put up at Pittsburgh in the second half. Look at the first Detroit game. He does things that other quarterbacks can't do. So I think people realize that Justin Fields is super talented, right? Mm -hmm. But it's all about surrounding him with the right pieces, right? and offensive coordinator, head coach, you know, if we want to go that route. But it has to be an offensive mind that scripts for success. You know, you look at John Harbaugh, what he did for Lamar Jackson, right? And then we talked about it, Tyler Huntley, and then Josh Johnson, right? Yeah. All of them do well. And listen, they're not all the same talent-wise. You know, Huntley, maybe he could play a lot better than we thought, right? But he, Josh Johnson, He showed over time. Yeah. He did. But Josh Johnson's been a journeyman. He's been on countless amount of teams, you know, here and there. And they script for success for him to make him look good. And that's the mark of a good coach. So I'm hoping whoever they have is similar to that. Because Justin Fields is one of the more talented quarterbacks in this league. And if you get him confidence, I think I think the sky's the limit for him. And I think he'll be a perennial pro bowler and possibly a Hall of Famer if we put the right pieces in place for him. So am I hearing this correctly then that you know, because the Bears said in the press conference that they don't care which one they hire first. 
they they'll hire a coach first in front of a GM. You got to do GM first and GM then the first. coach, correct? It's the, yes. it's the power structure. It's the power yes. structure. Right? The, G, the GM, the GM is the head of everything, right? He he makes the final decision, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, right, it seems like with the Bears' power structure, he's gonna have all the decision making in him, right? Yeah. They're they're not really, you know, the McCaskies aren't looking too much into making these decisions, right? That's why they're asking for help and et cetera. So the GM has to be first. You cannot do the head coach and then GM because that's when you have problems, right? Because then the GM, you hire the head coach first, the GM may say, ah, I don't like that guy, right? And then it becomes this thing the whole time and say, oh, I wish I could have picked him as opposed to him. And then it becomes a whole thing. And then, yeah, I, I don't like that at all. GM first, then the head coach. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that was because as we're seeing right now, the Bears are they are scouring the earth, and as they should, right? I think that there's over 20 GM candidates and over 20 head coach candidates right now that have even been reached out to. And Doug Peterson interview today. We're taping this on a Wednesday. Um, I think they said that before the Jim Harbaugh's and the Sean Paytons of the world. I know Sean Payton isn't going to work, but I think they just said, you know, if we need to get a coach in house. We will handle that. Hey, just shot across the bow to the Ryan yeah. Days, the Sean Paytons, the yeah. Harbaugh's. We will bring you in. We'll figure it out before we get the GM. Uh, my question for you is how important is it that Justin Fields is involved in the GM head coaching process? Should he be meeting with these people? I know it's, it's only second year, but he is the future. What say you on that? Yeah, I, I would say not yet. You know, I, I don't okay. think he has that that power yet. You know, I think if he's a guy that's, you know, maybe absolutely lit it up this year and he was like a Justin Herbert from the year before, um, then we can possibly be talking. But I think that's really only for guys that have really established themselves in the league. And so I think, I think obviously it'd be nice to include him, but I, I just don't think he's there yet with the, with the star power and respect of the organization to, to be in those type of meetings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that too. I mean, I think, X's and O's will get you pretty far, and Justin Fields has yeah. a lot to learn and still develop in this league, despite his immense talent that he has. Uh, let's talk about the coaching rumor of the week. It is Brian Flores right now. Uh, very intriguing name. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, even before he got fired, I loved him. I liked him a lot as a head coach. Yeah. I like a guy with a little bit of fire. Uh, the Dolphins, for the most part, have been kind of a joke as a franchise over the last five, ten years, and he's been making the, he's made them very competitive with Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. and then this season with Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, where, where do you stand on Brian Flores right now, and do you think he could be a yeah. fit in Chicago? No, I, I like him a lot. Um, you know, I think what he did in Miami was pretty impressive, and I was very surprised that he got fired. How, how do you get fired when you go ten and six the year before, right? And nine and eight, and when you don't have the quarterback situation uh, figured out, right? And and well, and I, that's what I want to know from you, Corey. Like, I mean, dude, you played in the league, and you know the inner workings, mm-hmm. right? Like, it just my my BS meter is kind of going off on how he's kind of yeah. getting dragged through the mud of all the power that he did and did mm-hmm. not want the GM's relationship with the owner. You know, have yeah. you been able to kind of read the tea leaves a little bit about what that's going on right now? Because I'm just kind of not buying a guy that was yeah. really successful and wanted things a certain way, and no one yeah. took too kindly to it. I, I I think it was the thing where he didn't get along with possibly the GM or the owner, right? I think they wanted to say and who was the quarterback, and he kind of felt like, hey, I'm the head coach. I'm going to make these decisions. And I think that was the power structure, right? Because at the times, Tool was out there. Fitzpatrick was on there. Yeah. So I think it was like, you know, he was getting something from up top, like, hey, you need to play them. And then he got to a point where he's like, I'm going to play – who gives us the best chance to win. And you look at this, this half of the year, the second half of the year, 
they were playing really well. You look at that game they had against uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. I mean, that was probably one of his worst games in his career. I mean, mm-hmm. they threw the kitchen sink at him. And I think Brian Flores, you know, all you, you look at the players from Miami, right? After he got fired, they were like, couldn't believe it. I mean, 20, 30, 40 guys all tweeting like, are you serious? And then not only that, a lot of people around the league were like, what is this? Like, a guy that's that talented and people want to play for him, right? The people that really respect them and, and his track record the past two seasons, I feel like how could you fire somebody like that, right? That's the key to winning in this league a lot of times is people say, well, you got to – yes, you have to have the right coaches, right, that can, that can script for success, put people in the right positions. But you, you got to have a coach that players want to play for to run through a wall for yes and brian flores is that that type of guy right so i would love if he had the opportunity to coach the bears right because i love what he would do defensively my only concern is that offense right and if we could have a gm say listen brian flores you're a guy let me control the offensive side Mm -hmm. hey everything else your wheelhouse i won't step on your toes but this is me and i don't know we'll see most coaches like hey i want to pick this and that but maybe, you know, the way he was controlling the defense, the special teams, maybe he would let that slide. But I don't know. So I'd either like that situation or possibly a guy like Jim Harbour, you know, or, or Ryan Day, a very offensive-minded coach that has a proven track record for scripting for success. I really like the Harbour thing. Honestly, like Ryan Day was initially my favorite. And then you talked about Harbour, and I'm like, ooh, I really like that. Second. Because, because of San Francisco, I mean, talk about how dominant they were, you know, in, in, in that stretch from like 2012 to 2016, mm-hmm. you know, um, they were, they were pretty dominant, um, you know, running the football, uh, mobile quarterback in Colin Kaepernick, uh, Frank Gore, David Montgomery, right. You know, we got a guy like Cole Komet, he's not Vernon Davis, but I don't think he's even scratched the surface of what he can do. And I think he's a better blocker than Vernon Davis. I don't think he'll be the pass catcher of him, but I think he could be more consistent. Look at what he did this year, you know, with, with a kind of scrape together offensive game plan. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just been improving. So I I really like that, you know, and then possibly we'll see, maybe if he get the defense and, Maybe get Vic Fangio and, you know, who knows, you know. <laughs> yeah. Bring the, get the gang back together. And look, Corey, man, again, uh, believe in Bears fans that are listening and maybe it's your first time. Corey, you played against those Harbaugh teams, man, and you've talked in the past how hard it was to play against them. So your perspective means something. And we're talking about former Bears and getting their insights like Olin Krutz yeah. and, and others out there, man. You know, that is something that I deeply respect. My final thing on floor is just real quick. And just tell me if I'm right, wrong or off base. Uh, and maybe it's because I'm in my 30s, but one of the knocks yeah. on Flores was there was a uh, anonymous source that said Flores didn't know how to handle some of the younger Dolphins on the team and that he treated the veterans. He would joke around and have a good time with the veterans, but then he'd be a little bit harder on the younger Dolphins. And they didn't, quote unquote, they didn't treat the younger Dolphins like men. And maybe I am in my mid 30s or whatever, but you're a 21-year-old guy trying yeah. to make your, your way in the game, and these are yeah. these are veteran players. Can you talk about that dynamic a little bit? I, I smell yeah, a little yeah. BS on that one, too. Am I wrong? I, I, I do, too, because I feel like um, as a younger player in this league, um, you know, when, when I was younger, um, you know, guys like myself and Henry Melton, he was a year older than me, uh, a guy like Rob Marinelli used to chew us out, right? Yeah. And, and that's how it was, right? The, the older the guys order, that they messed yeah. up. Yeah, and it's, it's just, you know, once you've established yourself, 
And then, you know, my third year when I really established myself, if I'd mess up on a play, he wouldn't be as hard on me as he was my first two years. It was like, you know, everything I did, he, you know, chewed me out and it made me a better player. I'm not going to lie. And I think that's how it should be a lot of times with younger players. But, you know, nowadays a lot of people are sensitive, you know, about, about everything. Oh, you coaches can't yell at me. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? If you're a younger player and you haven't established yourself, your coach should be able to chew you out, right? If he's yeah. putting his hands on you, that's something that you can't respect, right? You don't put your hands on another man or anything like that. But but yelling at somebody, um, I think I think that is okay, I think, in my opinion, especially for a younger player, if you're going to get him going and get him motivated. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, and that's how it is in this league. Veterans earn a certain level of respect because of their track record, right? Younger guys are proving themselves, so coaches can be hard on That's That's the name of the game. Yeah, earn your stripes, carry your water, yeah. however you want to call it. I mean, that just kind of seems to be the way that it goes. I mean, I was yeah. kind of reading that and being like, well, I, I just don't understand. And yeah. and the other thing with Flores that's kind of been sort of percolating in my mind a little bit that has me uh, a little intrigued, and we've talked a little bit about Josh McDaniels previously on this pod too, is that I'm just kind of intrigued on now all of a sudden is saying Brian Flores, they're putting the word can't in front of him. Mm-hmm. Brian Flores can't get along with players. Yeah. Brian Flores wants too much power. He can't work with the general manager, can't work with the owner. The same stuff that Josh McDaniel said. And if I can name check guys like Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, I know it's easy and it's obvious, but those are guys that had a first round that didn't work very well. And then they got their second job and they already had all the talent in the world and all the pieces were kind of there, but they maybe had to kind of adjust a couple of things and do oh, yeah. things a little bit differently where Brian Flores didn't play the politics in Miami. Well, I'm not saying he's got to change who he is, but maybe he can do things maybe just a little bit differently in his second spot. I don't know. I just, that, that sort of stuff kind of intrigues me a little bit. Jim Harbaugh is the same guy, right? Isn't he also the dude that kind of struggled getting along with management, ended up going to the college game, and yeah. now when he gets back, he gets kind of another opportunity to do it right. This doesn't change the talent in the coach just exactly. because maybe he had a misstep in his first round. I mean, am I onto something a little bit with some of these guys that they're interviewing? No, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think that's that's the thing in this league sometimes, right? You know, you talked about Belichick, right? His first time around, it wasn't the most successful. And then, you know, as he got on, he kind of tweaked this and see what worked for him. And that's how it is with any good head coach, right? They they learn from their mistakes, right? And that's who you want someone. I think, I think a guy like Harbaugh has learned a lot, right? About what he could do at the NFL level, right? Because some people said at times, he was a little too hard on his players or whatever. And once, once he went back to Michigan, you know, I'd heard that he was better about even college players, right. Getting on them, et cetera. And I think that sometimes becomes a thing in the league where, you know, head head coaches, like that's why Shiano did not work out. Right. Because he was too college minded. I can get on these guys. I had people that I knew that played for Tampa Bay when he was there. And they were just like, this guy's a joke. Like, are you serious? Like you're going to talk to a grown man that's been a starter for a few years in this league and say like, oh, you're not doing this or calling them out in a meeting. You don't do stuff like that. But I think people realize real quick, you know, what you can and can't do. And, and I've usually when coaches get older, they get more mellow, they get more calm and they learn from their past experiences. So, you know, I really like the Harbaugh situation because I, I think that'd be a great fit. You know, t- t- you know, the, the top people for me is, is Harbaugh, mm. Ryan Day and Flores. Those, those, that's my trio right there. I feel pretty good about that, but you know, I think if if they have a good GM in place, 
I feel a lot better about that because it's all about, you know, picking the right people and then developing that talent with the coaching staff. So they have to work hand in hand. And obviously the coaching staff, GM, and all the different scouts, they work together in picking that talent. So I, that's what I think. They just have to be on the same page. And certain organizations that kind of have a revolving door, the Detroit Lions, they're not on the same page all the time with some of those, you know, decisions, et cetera. And, you know, the past 10 years with the Bears, it's kind of been up and down as well. So I think there's been a disconnect, you know, with front office, the coaching staff, et cetera, kind of who we're picking, what we want to do, what, what direction we want to go to. So whatever GM, coaching staff, everything else, all the staff has to work together, you know, and, and be able to pick, develop, and get the right talent. And what I love so much about the three candidates that you just put out there, aside from a football perspective, is I think it's clear that what the McCaskies and what the Bears organization, the chairman, the board of trustees or whatever, I think what they really thirst for is a stability. Um, I've said this on this pod before. I think that they are the Bears are jealous of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they would love nothing more than to have Mike Tomlin at the helm for 15 years and a GM that's around for 10-plus years, which is probably why they gave Ryan Pace so much time. And what you just named with all three of those candidates are those three guys, Harbaugh, Day, and Flores. Those guys could come in right away and I think provide that power and stability that maybe the organization has lacked a little bit. George McCaskey in his press conference said, and I feel like it was a cop-out, and in a weird way he threw Nagy under the bus, but he said that he was taken aback when Nagy asked for his opinion on Justin Fields and Andy Dalton of who to start. Well, and to be very fair, Nagy could just be kind of asking the, the, the chairman's opinion to be nice and whatever, but he was taken aback by it. I think he's just screaming to have someone come in and be like, I'm taking over this organization, right? Uh, you yeah. know, the Brian Flores, oh, too much power, wanted too much control. I think the Bears are thirsty yeah. for that. I think that's yeah. actually what they're kind of dying for. You know? And those guys like Jim Harbaugh are those dudes that will probably come in there and do that exact thing. And I hope that they that's something that they can kind of match up personally. Yeah. And, and with yeah. the general manager out there, I'll be honest, man, you hear a lot of names. Um, everyone says that they're a bright young candidate. You know, I think – you know, can you speak on this too? I think everyone has their people out there, maybe doing a little PR work for each person. I mean, we heard that with Ryan yeah. Pace about how bright and young and, and intelligent he was, and it yeah. just didn't work out. So the GM I can't really speak on, but the coach we can kind of drill in, drill in and figure out. Uh, my, my question for you is they uh, they interviewed Doug Peterson and Brian Dable today. Is that a no thank you? Because it's a no thank you for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. I, I really like those candidates. Only the three that we talked about, right? Flores, Day, and Harbaugh. I think the thing that concerns me about Day is I don't know if he's really going to take command of everything like the Bears might want him to, right? Yeah. Have a lot of say in everything just because, you know, he's he's fairly inexperienced as a head coach in general. I think he's been there, what, three years, three or four years, I believe. Since Urban Meyer right, and then he and then he was assistant in the NFL, so he has been he has worked yeah. in the NFL, but yeah, yes. But um, I, I guess for what the what the bear situation is, right? With McCaskey's not really wanting a say in anything, right? The GM and head coach are going to have to be controlling everything. It seems like so. I don't know if Ryan Day may be ready for for that, you know, or if he wants to do that, right? Because some coaches are like I just want to coach the team and that's it, right? But I think a guy like Harborough, he would want all the say and, and, you know, who's picked, what we're doing, you know, everything that's going on hand-to-hand -hand with the GM. Um, and I think Flores would be the same way. Um, 
So I guess we'll kind of see how everything unfolds. Um, but if you had to pick one, who who is your number one candidate right now, in your opinion? So I like Flores. I'll be honest with you. I really yeah. do. That was a real surprise to me. I think that the Giants fired Joe Judge because they wanted to get in the sweepstakes for him and, and talk to him. He just feels like a guy who not only can deliver a very strong message to the fan base with conviction, but I think as you're talking about a guy that can build a culture in a locker room where it's no nonsense, it's results based. And I know for a fact that he liked Justin Herbert over Tua, which maybe led to some other different conversations between ownership. I mean, Justin Herbert has the same build and makeup as Justin Fields. Um, I, I think that he's exactly the kind of Chicago brand that we, you know, that we'd like. And, and Corey, man, you'd appreciate this with Justin Fields at the helm. You know, we still got to build a good defense, man. And I've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Our defense is going to be in a state of transition the next couple of years. And all of a sudden I'm kind of thinking that the Dolphins messed up and he's sure. a young coach that could come in and maybe be our head coach for the next 10 years. Um, yeah. Harbaugh's right up there. My power rankings. I'm still keeping Sean Payton up there because a the guy's got a dream, Corey. A guy's got a dream out there, but if you if you check it out, uh, Flores was right behind him, Ryan Day was right behind him, and then mm. and then Jim Harbaugh was was right there. Um, those would be my choices right now, and honestly, I wouldn't yeah. be upset with with any of them. Yeah. Um, I think the offensive flavor, offensive coordinator flavor of the week, I would have some questions with. I really would. If it is yeah. a Dable, if it is a Nathaniel Hackett, something along those lines, yeah. um, I would be a little, I'd be a little skeptical on that front. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. For me, my number one, I think would be Jim Harbaugh, in, in yeah. my opinion, because I think at, offensively, I'm thinking, I'm thinking strictly offensively, I think he will get the team where they need to be to win games and be a successful top five, top 10 offense eventually, you know, mm -hmm. and I think he's good at evaluating the coaching staff that's going to be coaching with him. Right. I think yeah. he's going to have the good defensive coordinator. Find the coordinators. Exactly. Yeah. I think he's good at that. Look what he did in San Francisco. Right. He has the experience. He's been in some clutch games. Right. Mm -hmm. he, they San Francisco, when he was there with Colin Kaepernick and company, they had some really good runs in the, in the playoffs. They made it to the Super Bowl. Right. I think he has what it takes to take this Bears team. Right. I really love Flores. I think he'd be a great candidate. But I think he's going to end up for the Giants because he's a, he's a New York guy. It right? makes it's sense. Be in his That's why they did it. Yeah, yeah dude. That's yeah. why they did it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm so I'm so with you on that one. And look, I and, and look, man, you are selling me. You're selling me and you're turning me on Harbaugh by the very second, because even if let's just play in the world of let's just say Harbaugh is the kind of guy that that comes in and, and some of these guys just kind of lose their luster after, you know, a cycle. You know what I mean? The Don Nelsons of the world, the Larry Browns. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm using a basketball term. Yeah. But if, if, if Jim Harbaugh can get you to the mountaintop, in the next three to six years, in theory, Justin Fields will be a fully yeah. formed Pro Bowl Hall of Fame type quarterback. And then at that oh, point, yeah. if you do move on from Harbaugh, you can find someone that fits that skill set and you kind of play within that window. And then maybe you yeah. find the next young coach or whatever to play in Arlington Heights or whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? In five All right. years. Um, I, I, I'm with you on that. And I think they're doing their due diligence right now. I don't think they need to talk to Harbaugh very long to hand him the job. So I'm glad that they're talking to everybody else out there. And I, I hope it definitely uh, comes to fruition. Um, and I think it's going to be a while, too. I think we're going to be talking about this for a little bit. I don't know if we're going to get any word on this in the next couple of weeks. I mean, do you think this is yeah. going to happen fast or we're going to be kind of stewing on I, this one for a little while? I, th I think we'll probably see something probably in the next two weeks for sure. You know, I think there'll be some decisions made. Um, yeah, I, I just I just don't think 
Flores is going to come to the Bears, in my opinion. Like, I think I think New York, they, they probably got that locked up. Yeah. He's from New York. Um, he'll probably want to be closer to his family. Um, you know, I think everybody that's from the East Coast probably had dreams about playing or coaching for the hometown Giants. So I think he'll end up for the Giants. And I think that's what they want. I think their fan base would be excited about him. Um, so I think he's going to end up there. So I think Jim Harbour, I think that's 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 my pick because I just I just love what he did, you know, in, in San Francisco. I yeah. mean, he really he really turned around, you know, that that franchise and um, shoot, they were they were a top five offense every year that he was there when Colin Kaepernick was there before he got uh, injured and all that. Um, yeah, smash mouth football, uh, one of the hardest offenses to defend. Uh, so, but it's, it's about putting the right offensive line pieces there, you know? And so that's, that's going to be something. So, so yeah, this is my, our final, our final question, Corey, uh, GM, Corey, general manager, Corey, let's just uh, role play for a second here. Uh, you're, you're walking into the office to interview for the general manager position. Um, I'm, let's say I'm George McCaskey. Damn it. I don't want to play this character, but I will. I'm an actor. I can, I can adapt. I can adapt. Let's see it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I sit down with you and I go, Corey, um, give me two. What are the first two things that you would attack on the Chicago Bears roster for next year? What are the areas that you think have the biggest concern? Just give me two of them. Which are the first ones that you're going to attack to try and fortify, Ooh. improve upon, and make better? There's, there's a couple. There's year. a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, if they're the the chief number one is a left tackle, right? I think I think that's number one. I will sign that check. Here's the checkbook, yeah, Corey. That's exactly. The first thing. Exactly. Yes. So Eric so Arms Eric Armstead, let's go. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so we so we need we need we need the left tackle. And then uh man, it's kind of it's kind of a, a tie for me. Uh wide receiver and defensive back. I think those are the two positions that we need obviously Allen Robinson is is not going to be with the Bears next year he's a free agent um but like we said maybe possibly getting a number two receiver to complement Darnell Mooney right and then we need some help in the secondary cornerback and we need another safety um you know that's something that we could possibly acquire over free agents uh, uh free agency maybe somebody that's a proven veteran that's talented um maybe his price won't be too high because uh, I know the Bears are kind of strapped a little bit for some cash, so I guess we'll see how everything works out. But I think left tackle, wide receiver, defensive back, those are the three three majors. I feel good about defensive line, Khalil Mack, uh, Robert Quinn. feel good about Travis Gibson. Uh, hopefully Eddie Goldman will have a bounce back year. Hopefully we can get uh, Keem Hicks back for the, for the right price. I talked about, you know, two-year deal being front-heavy on that first year. Um, because I think he's a valuable member of this team. Um, feel feel good about the linebacking core, Roquan Smith and company. Um, you know, I think maybe maybe possibly another linebacker, but I, I don't think that's a chief concern for us. I think defensive back is is probably the, the biggest concern defensively. Corey, you're hired. <laughs> you, you start tomorrow. If you could start this <laughs> afternoon, <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, what what wide receivers you thinking about for free agency? I know it's it's kind of slim pickings at this point. You know, you look at a guy like Devontae Adams; he's probably going to stay in Green Bay. Um, Allen Robbins is not there. Um, I, I'm intrigued though about Godwin, Chris Godwin, right? Um, yeah. Because you look at it, you look at what we did with Allen Robinson when he first got here, right? Coming off an ACL, 
maybe possibly giving him a, a prove it deal, right? A one year, one year deal mm-hmm. with an option to go to a potentially four year deal if he proves himself and he's back for his knee is 100%, etc. Just because the way guys come back from ACLs nowadays, they usually come back pretty well. It's, it's not a given. It's a gamble. Don't say that to Tariq Cohen, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, right? Look at Tariq Cohen, right? A guy that's not – usually a lot of times when people struggle to come back with ACLs, it's usually bigger guys, heavier guys that have a lot of load coming on their knees. A guy like Tariq Cohen is is light and nimble and, you know, doesn't weigh much. There's a little dirty little secret that I think he had to go back under the knife again, and they're not saying uh, he had something happen and maybe an infection or who knows what happened, and and they had to go back in and and do it again. So he got got kind of backed up a little bit. It's tough, but but I would would like to gamble on something like that, right? Because the risk to reward, right? If you – just as long as you, you phrase it as a one-year deal, you give them a pretty good amount, dollar amount, you know, maybe eight, nine million, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And then with the potential to re-up to a four-year deal after yeah. he proves himself. And then, you know, if he doesn't prove himself, you're done with that on that year. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some other guys. A.J. Green's going to be out there. He's a veteran. Um, he's coming towards the end of his career. Yeah, and so the, the thing, the, yeah, the thing with AJ is, I just don't know if AJ is going to want to come to Chicago because, as you said, end of career, I could see him going to Tampa Bay, right, and playing with yeah, a guy yeah. like Tom Brady for a Super Bowl. And here's here's what I'd say, and I don't want this to be a pessimistic bent, but we're kind of putting on our GM hats a little bit. Yeah. One of the things that the general manager might have to say to the fan base is, hey, hey, look, you know, we we got a lot of dead money in our cap coming next year, yeah. and we're we're going to have to clean. We're going to have to do a lot of raking of these leaves uh, off of our front lawn for a year and get our cap straight. So it might be a little tough, right? And I, I look, I, I love the idea of a Chris Godwin, and if he's amenable to a one-year, I'm super into it. But, again, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm thinking quantity with a hope for quality. Uh, yeah. I do like I, I do like Christian Kirk a whole lot. I yeah. think he's probably going to cost maybe a little bit more than maybe we would want to at that point. But what about a guy – let's throw another guy coming off an ACL. What about a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster? What about, yeah. you know, I mean, honestly, I like, I like that. Honestly, you know, he, he has shoulder injury, right? I believe. Uh, no, he had the shoulder and then I think he's got an ACL now. I think Does it's he? the, yeah, I thought it was a shoulder. Yeah. Well, we'll double check. It's been multiple injuries. Yeah. yeah if you want to look that up real quick and I, I can kind of buy you some time because what I like about Juju just real quick is obviously he kind of supplants the Allen Robinson role a little yeah. bit. He can play in the yep. slot. He can play in the intermediate passing game. And then I just like his blocking ability on outside yep. zone reads for David Montgomery or whatever it is that you want to do and free oh, some yeah. guys up. And if you go out and you draft a guy, you know, in the fourth, fifth round that you like, you got Darnell all of a sudden. You got a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster. You got a draft pick. Try and bring back Jakeem Grant. And then, again, I do like a professional route runner like Emmanuel Sanders to try and give yep. you a little something extra. Or someone that's going to get someone that's gonna get cut. You know what I mean? There's obviously yeah. going to be something of value that's going to get cut out there. Um, yeah. And I think Juju you can get for $6 million, $7 And it's million. a shoulder. It's a shoulder. You went out it for is, a shoulder. It is the so shoulder. So that's, okay. that's a good sign. Yeah. I feel good yeah. about that, right? It's not going to affect his cutting or route running shoulder. That's that's a no brainer, especially for a receiver. Um, so I feel good about that. I, I really like that. You know, I think that would be a good addition because he's he's really a number two, right? He was trying to be a number one in Pittsburgh. It really wasn't. AB that was his show. And then when AB left, you saw the the drop in production. You saw you know yeah, him and they, try and to really carry were, the team, and he couldn't. 
there were reports out there too. If you remember, at, when he first burst on the scene, he had down down the field threat uh, ability. And where I, what I got kind of mixed up was that there there are reports that he does a lot of maintenance on his knee week in and week out, and it's just kind of sort of sapped that little extra burst down the field. Still a really quality receiver and a dude that plays the right way, a dude that cares a whole bunch. A guy when you talk about when you talk about prove it deal, yeah. like that is the guy that I would want to definitely bring in to play with a guy like Justin Fields. So, Justin to Juju, I can get into that. Yeah, I, I would feel good about that. Bring back Jakeem Grant as well as another viable option for a three or four receiver. Um, maybe maybe Goodwin again, uh, Marquise yeah. Goodwin. I mean, yeah. he's had a, been a present pleasant surprise. I mean, he's a burner. He's kind of your 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 deep threat. You got um, Darnell Mooney. That's a combination of both. He can he can beat you deep. He's a great route runner. He's got to work on the hands this offseason. I think that was what kind of held him back a little bit, but he really established himself, in my opinion, as one of the better route runners in this league. And then coupling Cole Komet, really continuing to improve, blocking, and then hopefully we can get those red zone targets and touchdowns because that's where we have to put the ball in the end zone, in the red zone, and that's where the tight end position comes in at. Corey, we got to get out of here. It doesn't mean we're out of stuff to talk about. It just means that we're teasing the audience because we're going to be coming back soon to just follow, give you all the updates on Bears offseason as things develop, and there is plenty to talk about. Today's episode of Believe in Bears was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. When you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Follow me on the socials at Joey Sports Guy. My man Corey Wooten, throw out your socials. Take us home on a great pod, man. There's going to be a lot to talk about, man, and we're here to oh, figure yeah. it out for you. Yeah, the offseason, we're going to have the combine. We're going to have the GM search, the head coach search. It's going to be a lot of fun, you know, tracking uh, everything that's going to be going on, the free agents, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, and, and to the, the 2021 season, um, good riddance to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the future with the Bears, honestly, because I, I have a good feeling that they're going to put the right pieces in place, uh, GM, coaching staff, and, you know, I think that's really what it comes down to. The teams that really do well in this league are the teams that start from the from the top floor, right? With the GM, the head coach, work your way down. You have the right coaching staff. You have the right scouts. And the coaches develop that talent. That's the key. That's any good team in this league. They, they draft and develop the talent well. So hopefully the Bears can continue to do that and be like a team like the Patriots like the Chiefs have been as of late, you know, hopefully we can get in that trend, what Arizona's trying to build over there, stuff like yeah. that. So um, I'm hoping that trend and uh, yeah, we're going to keep you guys updated. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O-S-2-T-O-N. Um, yeah. We love you guys. Feedback, love your support. And uh, we're going to keep you updated. And it's been a blast as always. my man. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Everyone out there, bear down and we will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.